Not too long ago, Honda discontinued manufacturing its originally, in 2016, praised vehicle, the Honda Clarity FC, FC meaning fuel cell. It was, at the time, next to Toyota, the only vehicle on the market that was a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle. But now that it's discontinued, the only actual manufacturer of hydrogen fuel cell vehicles is Toyota with their Toyota Mariah. Now, what exactly is a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle? Currently, the federal government has around a $7,000 incentive bonus for the development of hydrogen reactors and hydrogen production facilities. Why? Why is everyone turning towards hydrogen as a potential fuel source for commercial and, and private transportation and energy requirements. Well, let's talk about the science behind that. Welcome to the science behind that with Atticus Hamilton. Hello, all you scientists. Welcome on back to the science behind that podcast. I'm your host, Atticus Hamilton. And in today's episode, as you heard from the intro, we're going to be talking about hydrogen fuel cells. Uh, how they work, um, why they're not as popular as I think they should be, and also why it is the energy source of the future when it comes to transportation, um, both privately and commercially. But before we get into today's episode, I'd like to invite all of you to go grab yourselves a nice steaming hot cup of coffee, add a little bit of maple syrup to it, and uh, let's jump right in. So, hydrogen fuel cells are a, I guess, a contentious issue um, or topic. I know that um, Elon Musk, uh, Mr. EV, has said multiple times that he thinks hydrogen fuel cells are stupid. Personally, the only reason I think he says that is because, um, objectively, hydrogen presents a potential energy source that's more powerful than both uh, battery electric and gasoline combined, um, and that if ever adopted, it would probably crush the EV industry. But that's a topic for another episode, um, because it's not just him that has come out uh, against fuel cells. There have been dozens and dozens of people who have uh, said that, you know, the Honda Clarity or the Toyota Mariah, they make zero sense because, you know, I guess they're uncomfortable um, or whatnot. The biggest problem in my mind, and I think that's stupid, but the biggest problem in my mind with both of those platforms, and I guess now just the Mariah because Honda discontinued the uh, Clarity, is that the infrastructure is not there yet for hydrogen, and that is the biggest problem. For the most part, the vast majority of the hydrogen refueling stations are in California. Uh, there is one uh, in Connecticut. It's in Hartford. Um, and other than that, that's the only one I've ever seen. Uh, the other aspect of this as well is hydrogen is really damn expensive. Um, it works out to around 23 cents per mile, uh, for the Mariah anyway, or roughly $16 per kilo, and the average tank size is around 4 to 5 kilos. So, um, you know, that's, that's expensive. You're going to be paying around $90 plus per 
fill up if you're filling up from zero to full um, for in a fuel cell. Now, why is that? The reason is because along with the refueling infrastructure not being there, the actual production is not there. Uh, and we're going to get into that in a minute um, when we talk about how hydrogen is produced currently and then how it could be produced in the future. Um, but before we can talk about that, I just want to clarify what hydrogen is in case you don't know and uh, how how a fuel cell actually works because it's pretty simple. So hydrogen is an element, obviously, on the periodic table. Its molar mass is 1.08 grams per mole. Um, so it's pretty light, and it's because of how light it is that is the reason why its transportation costs are so high. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let's say you have a facility that is producing hydrogen gas, right? You have to get that hydrogen that that facility produces from point A, being the production facility, to point C, which is um, the gas station, right? Uh, assuming that there are gas stations there. You have to go from point A to point C. Now, point B is your distributor, right? So there's two ways, well, three ways technically, but there's two ways currently in use to transport hydrogen. The first is by transporting it as a gas in a pressurized tank. That's expensive, right? Um, and you're limited by a certain amount of gas. You're limited by a volume because you can't carry as much hydrogen in a tank um, because again, it's very light. So it, hydrogen gas occupies a very massive volume for a relatively low weight. If you want to increase the volume of gas you can uh, fill a tank with, you have to increase the pressure you pressurize the tank with. Um, so in the car example, most uh, hydrogen-powered cars, and by most I mean the one, the to Toyota Mariah pressurizes the tank to around... 760 bar um, at 4 kilos, which isn't a lot, and that's a very, very high pressure. Um, 760 bar is roughly 760 atmospheres. So basically, it pressurizes the tank to 760 times atmospheric pressure to fill the car with just 4 or 5 kilos of uh, hydrogen. And it, the same principle applies when you're trying to transport it on a commercial level. So that's one way. The other way is to cool it. Um, now you can chill hydrogen down um, into a liquid state, but to get that cold, that's around negative 253 degrees Celsius or negative 423 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and now that does present a better solution to just transporting it as a gas because you can fill up a tank with more uh, actual mass of hydrogen in a liquid state than in a gaseous state, but it's more expensive because to get down to negative 250 degrees Celsius, that requires a massive amount of energy removal, um, which increases the cost. So it becomes more expensive than for the supplier and the um, producer to store the hydrogen and because it's also very expensive for the distributor 
to transport the hydrogen from the producer to the supplier. Um, and that cause that is why the um, cost of hydrogen at the pump is around $16 per kilogram because of all those associated costs with the production and the uh, distribution and the storage. So then how is hydrogen produced in the first place? Well, there are multiple ways to produce it. Um, and uh, there's pretty much only two ways out of three or four possible ways to produce it that are implemented today. Um, the other way to transport it, though, before we get into that, is through ammonia. So ammonia, we're all familiar with. You can go to your Walgreens and buy ammonia. Obviously, it's not pure ammonia, but you can buy ammonia. Um, it's a cleaning product. Uh, and the chemical formula for ammonia is NH3. Um, and uh, meaning it's one nitrogen atom and three hydrogen atoms. And it's a liquid at STP, which is standard temperature and pressure. So the pressure at sea level and the temperature at sea level, ammonia is a liquid. Now, this presents a potential uh, solution for the hydrogen transportation and storage problem. You convert your hydrogen to ammonia because all you need is to mix the hydrogen basically with a, nit with a reactive nitrogen atom. And for every one nitrogen atom in ammonia, you'll have three hydrogen atoms which both allows you to have a massive amount of hydrogen sequestered, basically. Uh, and it also allows you to transport it with relatively low transportation costs. Um, so then this is just a theoretical concept, but you could have your producer produce hydrogen or just produce ammonia, and then your distributor transports liquid ammonia, and then your supplier, which is the gas pump, will mix the liquid ammonia with a nitrogenase enzyme which will remove the nitrogen and you'll be left with just hydrogen and you could do that at the supplier stage i.e the gas station which theoretically would decrease the cost significantly because it costs less to transport ammonia than it does cryogenically cooled hydrogen or pressurized hydrogen and it costs less to produce it so how is than hydrogen actually produced. Well, hydrogen is produced, uh, currently it's either produced through electrolysis or through uh, natural gas refining. Now, there is another way to produce it, uh, but I'll get into that later. What is electrolysis? Electrolysis is simply the use of electricity in water. You have an anode and a cathode, um, and uh, it uses electricity to separate the hydrogen atoms from the oxygen, the two hydrogens from the oxygen in H2O, water. Um, and so you collect that hydrogen gas, and there you go. That's probably the simplest way to produce hydrogen, um, and you can do that at home. There, if You go, you can go to YouTube and look up uh, numerous videos on how to produce an electrolyzer, is what they're called. Uh, you can also buy a simple electrolyzer from Amazon just for fun. Um, but that's the easiest way to produce it. And a lot of times, that is, one, that is one of the ways that it's commercially produced, at least in the United States and uh, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is one of the world's biggest market for hydrogen vehicles. 
Currently, they have around 300,000 hydrogen-powered buses um, because of something called the... Um, uh, why am I blanking on this? Uh, because it's something called the specific energy. Hydrogen is better than every other competition, but we're going to get into that in a little bit. So electrolysis is one way to produce hydrogen. The other way is uh, gas refineries. Um, so oil refineries and natural gas refineries do a lot of things to the oil, the crude oil that's mined. Um, and they do it through heating and uh, distillation of that oil to separate it out into constituent parts, basically. So how do they produce hydrogen? Generally, they produce hydrogen um, from methane. Uh, so they will do a very similar process uh, to what we see with uh, electrolysis and water. They'll basically just do that to methane because the chemical formula for methane is CH4, right? One carbon, four hydrogens, uh, which is even a higher hydrogen yield than um, nitrogen, but methane isn't very good for the atmosphere or than ammonia, but methane isn't very good for the atmosphere and for global warming. Um, but what they'll do is they will cleave the hydrogen atoms off of that carbon in methane and collect the hydrogen gas that way. So the vast majority of hydrogen, at least in the United States on the commercial level, is produced this way. In Saudi Arabia, it tends to be more produced in the um, electrolysis way because the vast majority of water that uh, in the 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 country gets is through um, desalinization um, because Saudi Arabia is a very dry country, and so part so a portion of the water that they the fresh water that they get from desalinization they send through elect, uh, electrolysis to produce the hydrogen gas for their industry. But in the United States, the vast majority of hydrogen that we produce is from basically electrolysis of uh, methane um, in gas refineries. Shell is very is getting big into this um, through their refinery process. In fact, if I remember correctly, a vast majority of the, hi the, the hydrogen for purchase in the United States market is from Shell and from their refineries. Uh, but there is another way uh, to produce hydrogen, and that's called biohydrogen. And this is through using organisms like algae, uh, like cyanobacteria, uh, various dinoflagellates, and other uh, phytoplankton that naturally produce uh, hydrogen. It's through using either the organisms themselves to produce hydrogen or removing their, genetically modifying them and their enzymes to produce, uh, so we can produce hydrogen synthetically from various sources. That is the third way of producing hydrogen gas. Um, and then the fourth way is mining it, right? Hydrogen is pretty much the most ubiquitous element in the universe. And so, uh, in space, while they say space is a vacuum, that's not actually 100% true. Um, there's a lot of hydrogen gas in space. So theoretically, you can mine space for hydrogen. Um, that may be a future, future technology when we become a spacefaring species. But as of right now, our technological capability for space is very primitive. So we're not at that level yet, right? So we have three options, basically. Biohydrogen from algae, 
electrolysis from water or electrolysis from methane or other uh, natural gas types, um, ethane, you know, that sort of thing. So uh, now that we have that covered, I'd like to talk about how fuel cell reactors actually work, which is, you know, the other side of this conversation. Well, and, and we also have some other things to discuss on top of that. So how does a fuel cell reactor work in a very basic sense? In a very basic sense, uh, you have hydrogen and you have oxygen, right? And you react it together. And by re- react, I mean burn the hydrogen um, to produce water vapor, right? That is the only byproduct of um, hydrogen combustion is uh, water vapor. Specifically, um, two hydrogen atoms reacted with um, one oxygen uh, atom will yield water and around 286,000 joules of energy compared to one gallon of gasoline with oxygen will yield carbon dioxide water and 132 uh, million joules of energy, roughly. Um, So we're going to get into this and why there's that difference because at first you'd say, oh, well, a gallon of gasoline yields, yields 132 million joules of energy, whereas one hydrogen or two hydrogen atoms only yields 286,000 joules of energy. Obviously, gasoline is more powerful, but that is not accurate because that doesn't actually reflect a tr- the true chemical reaction. So, um, getting into this... Um, In cars, a fuel cell hydrogen reactor works by essentially you take, they work like batteries, right? Which is why they're called FCEVs or fuel cell electric vehicles. Um, And and what it does is it takes hydrogen. um, There's two electrodes in a negative electrode, the anode and a cathode, right? So it takes the hydrogen and the hydrogen is fed to the anode. Uh, and then oxygen is fed into the cathode. And what happens is a catalyst in the anode separates the hydrogen atoms into its constituent protons and electrons, and it removes the electrons. The electrons, for the most part, go to power the vehicle. That's why it's called an EV. Um, And then the uh, protons, i.e., because hydrogen is just one proton. It's a proton and electron. The proton and the hydrogen, it's now lost its electron. And so it's basically like, hey, where's where's my electron? Where did that go? And so basically then that reacts with the oxygen in the cathode and that produces water vapor and heat. And that's it. That's, that's how it works. Um, it's a pretty simple and straightforward uh, process, uh, but that's it. So to... To recap that then, you have an anode and a cathode and in a car, you fill up the hydrogen tank and that hydrogen, which is just a proton and an electron, um, that goes into the anode and then the grill of the car brings in oxygen from the atmosphere and that oxygen goes into the cathode and you remove the electron from the hydrogen, which goes to power the, um, the, the car, right? Uh, goes to power the battery, and then the proton reacts with the oxygen in the cathode to 
basically combine atomically and produce water vapor and heat. Um, and that's it. And that gives you the energy needed to power the car. Now, you could take this a step fo- further where you also harness the heat energy to further power the car. That would give you more horsepower. And now you may be saying, well, how do you do that? Well, there's a variety of materials out there that react uh, molecularly in the presence of heat. Um, and so they will, you know, when you warm them up, electrons will flow in those materials and you could potentially use that to harness the heat produced from the reaction to give more power to the vehicle but as of right now the vast majority of the power just comes from that anode separate well comes from the the uh um it just comes from separating the uh, electron from that hydrogen and that's it So that's how a hydrogen or fuel cell vehicle works. Um, Now, why do I say that it is the energy source of the future? Because next to nuclear power, hydrogen has the highest specific energy of any fuel source um, that we currently know. It's around 120.6 megajoules per kilogram. Um, and it also has the highest specific combustion energy release of any commonly occurring material, again, other than uranium um, or plutonium. So what does that mean? Well, let's compare it to gas, right? So if we compare um, if we compare uh, the energy output of um, hydrogen with the energy output of gasoline, um, what we'll see is roughly hydrogen produces around, in a calorie format anyway, 34 kilocalories per gram upon combustion in air, and gasoline is around 12 kilocalories per gram, um, if that. And then battery is somewhere between lithium-ion battery is somewhere between hydrogen and gasoline. So when we looked at that equation then, where it was comparing the energy output of uh, two hydrogen atoms with a gallon of gasoline, um, why was there such a difference? Well, the reason is because the you weren't comparing the weights the same, right? Two hydrogen atoms is two grams. Um, and so two gri- just two grams alone of hydrogen produced around 238,000 joules. But you're comparing that to a gallon of gasoline, which is not two grams. It It's between, oh, I don't know. It depends on the type of material. You could be upwards of, you know, a kilo to three kilos. And that's producing, um, uh, that's producing 2.8 million joules. No, that's glucose. 890,000 joules. Um, and that's methane. Um, and so, uh, you're not comparing the the substances equally there. Um, but hydrogen has the highest specific energy, which means it has the highest energy potential. So for in the example of the car, four kilos of hydrogen gas gives you around 420 to 500 miles of range um, in a car. And that energy output, of course, could be increased significantly um, through adding in materials that also derive energy from the heat produced from that reaction. 
uh, as an example. So overall, I believe hydrogen is the fuel source of the future, um, at least when it comes to uh, personal uh, vehicles. I think that overall the energy grid fuel source of the future is probably nuclear. If we look at uh, uranium, uranium, a uranium reaction will yield around 2.07 times 10 to the 13th joules of energy, which is a lot. It is a lot of energy. Um, and, uh, you know, there are fusion reactors that we're developing now, which will be, in my opinion, the go-to power source for the electrical grid in the future. But when it comes to personal transportation and commercial transportation, I don't really think that there's any substance better than hydrogen. It has a higher specific uh, energy than gasoline um, and battery electrics. It is clean. It only produces water vapor, depending on the way you produce the hydrogen in the first place. The biggest things we need, to, the biggest hurdles are we need to bring the cost down. We need to increase the production of hydrogen. And of course, we need to build the infrastructure to make driving a hydrogen powered car a, a viable alternative to what is currently out there. Because let's face it, battery EVs are great if you live in a state that's not Alaska or Wyoming or Montana where it gets really cold. I'm sure all of my American listeners saw that news headline where all the the Teslas died in the charging station in Chicago because it was too outside. I lived in Alaska where every winter you would, you could reasonably see days where it was negative 20, negative 30. Um, hydrogen doesn't do that. In fact, you could fill your tank up more at those colder temperatures and get more energy output from that vehicle. So I think that hydrogen is the way to go, um, but it takes investment both in a public sense and in a government sense that we need to do to revolutionize our uh, current supply of that hydrogen fuel and our, um, our, 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 our domestic supply, our pr private supply. We need to build the infrastructure so people can go on road trips from California to New York and have refueling stations along the way. And we need to bring the price down. The price needs to be competitive with uh, gasoline. And I think the way to do that is to convert hydrogen into ammonia and transport liquid ammonia to the gas station. And then when people go to fill their car up, they just use a nitrogenase enzyme uh, or the pump uses a nitrogenase enzyme to sequester the nitrogen and you just fill up hydrogen. I think that's the way to go and that's the system that they're experimenting with in Saudi Arabia. You know, the Saudi Arabia doesn't do a lot of things right, but it looks like they're doing this right. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that is all I have for you today. Uh, if you can't tell, this is something that I'm personally very passionate about and I really, really hope that we see a future where this is the norm. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Science Behind That Podcast. And remember, as always, I will see you guys on Friday and stand up and question everything.